Welcome to Across the Fence Post, a podcast series that searches for meaning in the everyday conversations. Now talking from Across the Fence Post, your hosts, Chandler Mulvaney and Ben Connor. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Across the Fence Posts. I'm Chandler Mulvaney. And I'm Ben Connor, and uh, we are excited for our next, well, our first guest, Chandler, uh, on the podcast. It's uh, Miss Morgan Beach. Uh, Morgan is currently the Director of Public Affairs at the Pet Food Institute. But for Chandler and I, how we met Morgan is she served on the student advisory team uh, with us through AFA. So, Morgan, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys, for having me. So, the first question that we want to kind of get to know the answer to is why'd you even agree to come on this podcast with me and Chandler? Well, I mean, given that you guys are friends, I think I couldn't say no. Right. Uh, (laughs) But also because I think uh, every time we're together, we're always having a blast and having some cool conversations and and diving in. And I think uh, really excited to see where this podcast takes you guys and excited to see where our conversation goes today. And so of course uh, it was an easy yes. Okay. Well, hopefully that was a relatively easy question to answer as well, but uh, I'm curious. The pressure, the pressure's on. Okay, Morgan. So how does it feel to be our first guest? I mean, is, is that a, is that something you're, you're what, Have you been carrying that around on your shoulders for a long time? Just big burden. Well, you know, to tell you the truth, it can only go up from here, uh, literally <laughs> and pun unintendedly, but, um, yeah, a little nerve wracking, uh, because, you know, this is helping shape the conversations that are going to come after me. Uh, but also it makes it easier for the next person. I'm sure to hear, uh, how terrible this one might be, uh, as their first guest. So just here for the ride and excited to see where it takes us and don't hold it against me that I'm the first guest. No, we're excited. You were you were easy first choice, and we're uh, looking forward to having this conversation. So, uh, go ahead, Chandler. Yeah, no, and I just have to say, I mean, I, I was holding back my laughter, and and I guess I just need to laugh out loud sometimes. You know, you could put that on a on a Pinterest post right there. That's a, that's a good caption, right, Ben? But oh, well. you know what I was going to say is. Uh, Morgan is obviously, um, at least for me, one of the, the smartest people that I know, definitely behind Ben, but we're no. just lucky to have her on the show and, uh, and just lucky to have her here um, being willing to talk about some, some good conversations and also provide some entertainment, hopefully for you guys, and um, as well as just, you know, make some connections out there. So you bet. Well, Morgan, uh, obviously, uh, with, with your title, um, policy is probably a, a big driver within that. But looking at um, your background, and you can allude to this even more in this answer, but how did you get involved with policy and um, policy making, uh, and especially in the agriculture industry? Yeah, well, I grew up on a farm. Um, and so that really kind of started my journey in agriculture. And then I got started with 4-H and FFA and then AFA and kind of kept kept the momentum moving. Um, but I was always kind of a politics junkie. And I thought, gosh, campaigns are where I wanted to work and kind of experience life, uh, start out my career. And then I worked on some campaigns and realized maybe not the arena perfectly fit for me. Uh, while it did require a lot of talking, 
<laughs> Very much so. It's wide open all the time. It uh, It's an intimidating environment and it's you're on all the time and a lot of promises made and babies held and handshakes and things like that. And I was really looking forward to the things that they were promising people or the things they were talking about. Um, and that kind of led me to, to DC and to the policy arena and got my start kind of from there. So Morgan, uh, you mentioned being a political junkie. Um, I'm intrigued by that term. Um, I, I guess it sounds like you're hooked to the world of politics, but I'm, I'm just curious, you know, where did that passion and that love for policy kind of start? You mentioned 4-H and growing up on a farm. Maybe share a little bit more about that that origin story for us. Yeah, you bet. Um, I've always been someone who loved kind of community service or community giving, um, and that really was kind of tied into my 4-H experience and got a first chance to do 4-H legislative days and, and days on the Hill talking about you know, what 4-H was and the importance of state funding for programs like 4-H. And so that really kind of opened my mindset to things like, you know, what, what could be at least. Um, and I think from there, you know, I loved things like extemporaneous speaking and opportunities to argue with a brick wall um, in all frankness. And so You're a <laughs> I, I just thought, gosh, the somewhere put me up to a podium uh, so that I could debate with someone. And I did speech and debate in high school and and things that kind of led me to sort of a policy career. And it wasn't quite what I uh, thought maybe early on, but uh, definitely still has some of those debating or advocacy efforts that I had in my early days too. Speaking of debate and arguments, this would be a really good question with a Auburn grad and a UK grad. Is Missouri technically in the Southeast? Uh, technically, we are in the SEC, but in terms of a regional location, I would say Missouri is a Midwest state. <laughs> I, I was just curious. Just curious. You know, they're they're in an interesting conference. So yeah, M I Z. You know. Yeah, M I Z Z O U. <laughs> is awesome. it uh, Missouri or Missouri? <laughs> well, I think that tends to be at what part of the state you belong to okay. um, or how much of a Southern draw you might have in your conversations. Mm. Uh, but for me, at least in central Missouri, it is with an I, not an A. Okay. okay. I like you that much better now. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that, that's really been burning in the back of my mind for years because I think all three of us can attest to, uh, gosh, all, especially all the folks that come from the University of Missouri or kind of that, that region that you're from, Morgan, and you're at a conference together and you talk to one person that's Missouri and the next person that's Missouri. And it's, it's you never know which you, you think it's two different states, to be honest with you. Yeah. And to be honest, the first time I went to AFA out in that area, they said I had an accent. I was like, there's no way I have an accent. So I don't I don't hear it. Yeah. I, I know I don't, it does not exist. So. If you guys hear Ben's accent or think he has an accent, let us know where you think Ben's from. Probably not Kentucky, but that could be a logical guess. Yeah, I like, yeah, if if I have an accent, comment on our, our Facebook post and, and let me know. But I'm telling you, I do not have one. So, all right, sorry, I sidetracked there. Uh, but to come back to the conversation and keep this focused, Morgan, uh, you know, obviously, being up on the hill, you have to have conversations 
and you're obviously you try to bring those conversations to the point that you're up there for, whether, whether you're advocating for or against. So how have you in your career brought people to the fence post to have those conversations? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Um, I think it just starts with sharing a little bit about who you are and where your interests, um, you know, kind of lie. And then depending on what issue you're advocating on, right. You want to bring people to the fence post. You want them to understand your argument or your side of the conversation, or at least the points you're trying to get across. And I think that's the most unique piece about policy, or at least lobbying. Um, it's not some archaic, um, manipulative, uh, you know, kind of career, at least it isn't for me. Uh, it's really a lot of advocacy, a lot of educating, a lot of conversations that start around the coffee table or across the Vince post, right. Depending on where you are. Um, and just kind of sharing your your background or your members or bringing folks to the hill to talk about right their kind of background or their experiences and and that tends to lead to more conversations and then more policy creation as people understand an issue better. No, that's that's good stuff, and you know it kind of made me think. You know where. Did, where have you found the, that fence post to be? Is it in an office with a legislator or is it on the, on the floor or is it out in the district? Like where, where do you find the most meaningful conversations? Gosh, meet them where they are. Right. Um, and I think we say that a lot in a lot of ways, but I think you can have a super meaningful conversation as you walk to pick up a coffee. Um, or I think you can have an even more meaningful conversation and showing them the thing that you're saying, right? So taking them on field days and farm visits um, to kind of explain the issue. But I think it's it's always about being truthful. It's always about being genuine um, and coming from a, a place of sincerity, um, not a place of persuasion. And I think that starts some really cool fun post conversations and and drives a lot of the change or at least the perspective of, of change. So kind of on a, on a similar note, I'm curious, and I hope you're okay with me sharing this, Morgan, but <laughs> um, I think for a lot of our listeners, what's really cool about Morgan's story is just her courage, courageous nature and kind of her fearless ambition to go into a world that, um, you know, I think right out of college, didn't you move to DC and you live there for what, about three months before you even had a full-time job? Yeah, you bet. It's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really curious, you know, for even people our age or people a little bit older or younger, just getting started, you know, what, what recommendations do you have for people who want to have either a career in policy or just want to better understand the issues that are being discussed on Capitol Hill? Gosh, that's such a great question. Um, and I think it's funny to talk about things like courage and then sit and think about that time period, right? Where uh, the folks who were closest to me or even um, some of the folks I was meeting with would have told you, gosh, I was probably having very significant heart palpitations um, mm. about not having a job because as much as I love to show up um, and be fearless, sometimes I really also love structure and roots. Um, and I think for a career in policy or, you know, a movement to DC, you know, policy can happen at the state arena. It can happen at the local level. Um, so it's not always, you know, this big, huge system of DC, but the unique thing about DC too is, is being there. Um, and I think I learned this, I think COVID probably brought 
a unique dynamic to all of this, right? Um, but for the most part, it you have to be there. Um, and so, yeah, I, I took some advice and I planned ahead and I showed up uh, three days or four days after graduation, which was ridiculously crazy. I should have taken time, um, but I wanted to be there so bad. And so moved up there and I honestly started taking three coffees a day, five days a week for about two and a half months, three months before I landed my first job. Um, and it was really kind of building that network that kind of helped me through each of my roles. Um, and so I think while I would have loved to have been like other folks who maybe landed their job almost immediately from being in town or having the right connections for me, that networking building that, that I had from all of those coffees, uh, actually served me so much better later in my career and is something I, I kind of look for. So I think if it's something that your heart, you know, kind of weighs on or pushes you to do, chase it, do it, try it. You fail, you'll figure it out. You'll pick back up. Um, but it's worth it. So were the, uh, were the heart palpitations coming from the coffee or just not having a job? <laughs> well, okay. So this is funny because, um, I probably made it a few weeks before I realized like going to coffee is in quotation marks. It's not literally that you have to order uh, coffee sure. <laughs> um, or that you have to necessarily drink coffee. And I am a coffee lover, but I was like, oh my gosh, this is just so much caffeine. Uh, but the heart palpitations were more that I just didn't have a job. And I was super nervous about my time crunch. And I mean, the reality was there was so much flexibility in that also to drink juice or water or tea. It, it, didn't it sounds like that's a little of your Southern roots coming out. Cause I mean, if you're going to coffee and my, my thought process, you're, you're getting coffee. I you're mean, drinking it. You're yeah. drinking coffee. I mean, that, that only makes sense. So I, I just learned something new today, Chandler. I, if you're going to get coffee in DC, you may yeah. not be getting coffee. It's yep. just, it just means a chat. Yeah. Blew my now, mind. I've always thought the same thing. Go get coffee. You're getting coffee and nothing else, but that's right. Now, hmm. now coffee, do you milk, sugar, black? <laughs> I will drink it any which way it comes, but I prefer it with okay. sugar first and then some heavy cream. Well, if we were recording this in our, our fancy studio, we'd we'd make you one. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we'll rain check on that one. Okay. Yeah. And we come back in like season 18 and we'll have you <laughs> coffee Morgan. So I, I can I can send you a cup, but it might take a few days and be ice cold. So mm. uh, Maybe I'll just send you a Keurig cup instead through the mail. Hey, I have Keurig cups and cold brew in the fridge, so stop on by. Good idea. I like that. I like that. Well, I just, I I, I appreciate you sharing that and just kind of having a moment of vulnerability because it's, I think, a really cool story and maybe it's more common than what Ben and I are aware of, you know, in that DC culture, but, um, you know, just really powerful and I think you know, as, as part of your testimony per se, just in your, your desire to, you know, be a part of the community and, and impact kind of be a game changer per se in, in that, that realm of, of ag policy. So um, I guess at your, at your current stage of your career and where you're headed over, you know, say the next 10 to 15 years, um, let's say you, you woke up at the end of your career, um, you know, what, what fences or fence posts um, would still be standing that you wish you had actually had a conversation about or, or drawn people in and, and had that conversation from across the fence post? Gosh, I think just being open. Um, I think so, so many times we, 
at least in terms of, of food and ag, we tend to sort of stay in our lane, right? It's the same sort of groups that we first think of to, to partner with or the first mm-hmm. kind of candidates like, you know, you and I who came from a farm background or studied agriculture in school that I think so many times, and gosh, I'm working on so many issues right now where the, the partners that we're working with would not be what I would have envisioned for food and agriculture, right? You know, I'm working on an issue now that we're working with the textile and apparel folks, like who, goodness, who would have thought? And it's not that we're impacted in the same way, but we have the same position on something um, and that could change. Right. And so it, it comes down to bringing people in and, and being, you know, open to letting them have a place there or seeing seeing their benefit without having an expectation of, of what they're going to provide. And I think that also brings some really cool conversations um, and brings some different perspective and helps us brainstorm better, think differently, you know, tie mm. back in with consumers. And I think that that brings such a great value. And I think we're headed there. Um, but I think for a lot of my early career, I, I just didn't think in that motion. I was thinking about what got me to the win the fastest, not what got me, you know, sort of in a longevity position. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I don't know if you would agree with this or not, but, you know, you you mentioned kind of, you know, staying in your lane and what's comfortable. So, I mean, from, from your perspective, is, is that just a, a regards for what's safe or, you know, what kind of plays, plays over cool with, you know, the customers or whoever it may be on the other end of the, I guess, the conversation? I think that goes both ways, right? It is it is being comfortable, right? And if you're you're super comfortable and if you're doing the same thing repetitively, then it may not be the best solution. Um, but I also think it's sometimes we don't want to rock the boat. Sometimes we fear being the ripple that starts an effect, or we fear um, being the person who's speaking out in a different tone or even in a different stance than the majority, um, or even sometimes our friends. And so we put our blinders on and we hold our tongues sometimes um, in order to to not necessarily be seen. And sometimes I think, gosh, I wish I would have ruffled more feathers um, in this discussion or gosh, I wish I would have spoke up because even if it wasn't an opposing view that maybe my voice would have brought a different perspective. And so I think if I think that I'm sure that folks who don't come from this background feel even more secluded sometimes. And I think we have to open the door for them to have a voice too. That's good. That's good. And, and, you know, you mentioned rough, ruffling feathers and, you know, it just makes me think, you know, maybe nothing comes out of that meeting, that, that conversation right away, but you've at least planned the seed and those thoughts are now being processed in other people's minds. And so, you know, it takes starting the conversation. So, I mean, that's, that's really good. I appreciate you sharing that. And I think it comes down to, to just a, a piece of integrity, right? There are a lot of times where early in my career, I felt like I'm the youngest person in the room, so I shouldn't speak up or, you know, I don't come from, you know, the top group at the table. So maybe it's not my chance to, to say something or gosh, these people are having a conversation about something that I don't understand super well. So maybe my question is dumb. Um, and so I think a lot of the times, gosh, I look back and I think, man, I should have spoke up or man, I should have asked that question because even if it, was what I would have thought was dumb. Maybe it actually got us to a point faster. Maybe it opened a chance for me to learn better or a different perspective. And so I think a lot of the time it's just being true to who you are and kind of being fearless and and knowing that you're providing value wherever you are. 
doing whatever it is that you're doing. It doesn't have to meet some standard quota or expectation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think just your that, that latter half of your comment, um, you know, brings me back to a lot of places where the three of us have been in a room together and I'm, you know, I have held back from voicing an opinion or a thought or an idea or just a simple expression because, you know, pro- probably now I know it better as imposter syndrome. And I'm sure we've all suffered from that at some point or another. But, you know, the, the reality of for those of you that are in a situation, you know, with a seat at the table, you're there for a purpose and a reason. And, you know, I, th- I think back to our times with AFA, um, you know, we were brought there to, in essence, represent people. And I think that's really valuable for, you know, those listening and, and even just what Morgan just captured, just the, the idea that, you know, you're there for a reason and that reason is to bring value. And so don't be afraid to speak your mind and, and speak up and share those thoughts. Well, Morgan, we have really enjoyed this conversation and uh, we appreciate you. I think that um, the next few guests actually have a lot to live up to. So we appreciate you hopping on with us today and uh, looking forward to, you know, like I said, season 18, having you back. So we'll have you a cup of coffee in studio. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Hey, I'll uh, take it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay. Wait now, now, Ben, we got to slow down. I've got, I've got another question for Morgan. Okay. I'm sorry. Supper's on the stove and I smell it. It smells uh-huh. great. Your, was your wife calling you? Yep. That's uh-huh. she, I, actually, she needs me to do something, but I, I, I got time. We got one more question. I, yeah, I guess, you know, uh, life in, of an extension agent, it never stops at work, right? You've got stuff to do at home. I've had five missed calls in this interview. Mm. So that's, mm. and they're all from Blair. Yep. Yep. She's, she's a customer. All right. Well, okay. Back to the question, back to the question, Morgan, we just, I was really curious. Um, you know, we, we've been kind of skirting around the conversation a little bit, but, you know, just honing in on, on maybe those one or two just most pertinent conversations that, that you think need to be had now or in the coming year within the agriculture community. What is, what does that kind of environment look like to you? And, and what are those issues that, that you yourself would like to maybe talk more about? Oh my gosh, there are so many. Um, but I think the one that's been kind of pressing on me as of late, or even more so in the last few years, and I'm going to put it in a different quotation. Um, I'm going to expand the horizons. I'm going to call it breaking barriers. Um, and I think so I'm going to expand this a little bit more, but I think there are so many barriers for someone to enter the field of agriculture um, and particularly farming. Um, if we think about, you know, millennials are the the first generation to have the least amount of um, investments in the U.S. economy and the most amount of debt, and yet the highest educated generation of our time. Um, and you know, considering that, and considering you know the inflationary impacts of the economy and the cost of you know buying land and integrating you know operations or even breaking out to be an entrepreneur, uh, doing something totally different in kind of the food and ag space that takes money, uh, significant capital and investment and time. Uh, and, you know, given the, where the world kind of sits in terms of an economic standpoint, that's just not viable for a lot of folks. Um, and so having conversations around things like inheritance, um, having conversations around things, again, like 
called apprenticeships. I think we got so focused um, at driving people to be educated that we didn't think about the what then uh, conversation and, and how we build them back up or bring them back in and thinking about things that we did, you know, decades ago, but maybe in a new and uh, innovative sense. And so how do we break those barriers to bring people who maybe don't have family who can pass on the farm or people who may have a, a real interest to have their hands in the dirt, but they don't know what that looks like. Um, and that may be things like extension, right? Education systems that may be non-traditional. Um, and that may be things like, you know, angel investors, um, kind of a new private equity space to investing in the food and ag arena. And I think the opportunities are really endless if, if we're all coming to the table and bringing our expertise and our opinions. But I think that starts with breaking down the barriers of the expectations of what that looks like too. Yeah, that, and uh, wow, that's, I mean, such a beautiful comment and definitely hits home for me because um, I grew up in a, a, a cattle producing family and we've since pretty much sold everything. And, uh, you know, I, I have a tremendous passion for cattle, but where do you even start? Because land prices and the investment in cattle and cattle aren't really bringing much at the markets right now for producers. So, uh, you know, what what's the incentive? But well, I mean, there's a lot of other people out there just like that who who want to invest in the ag community. Yeah, and I mean just just looking at farmer dynamics and I know looking at census of ag, that average age of farmers continues to rise, and mm. you know that's one a testament of you know farmers always wanting to work, but two just the young people not uh, being able to get back into the into farming or or get into farming in the first place, and so I think it's a, a really pertinent conversation that needs to be had so yep and i i love that i love that idea and that suggestion morgan of funneling back into extension so we're going to put the pressure on you ben and uh, <laughs> now it's your responsibility to develop some world-changing programs for your for your communities okay every you bring day. them to dc ben and we'll advocate for them no question <laughs> every day every yep. day you just a day in the life fly on the wall come watch that's right. I tell you, I think if you took a group of people from your community to go out and, and live the day in a life of a rancher or a farmer, I think they'd, they'd probably want to do it a little bit longer than just a day. So I like, I like that suggestion, Morgan. But I think if Ben doesn't have anything else to say, which is uh, pretty rare, I'll, I'll have to mention, but I think we're going to wrap up and, um, we just want to say thank you to everybody for for joining our episode with our first guest, Miss Morgan Beach. And it's been a tremendous honor to have you on board this evening for us. It's evening um, for you listening. Hope you're listening uh, in the middle of the middle of the night. But um, with that, Ben, you got any uh, closing thoughts or wisdom for us? You bet. I heard this one on the farm this week. Uh always drink upstream from the herd. So uh, keep that in mind as you're getting in this hot weather, always drink upstream. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. I'll have to keep that in <laughs> mind, especially now that I'm out here in the West. Yeah. I mean, you guys don't have too many streams. They're all dried up out there. So mm -hmm. uh, when you mm -hmm. find one, you better mm -hmm. look upstream, see what's ahead of you. That's true. That's true. That's a good point. Good point. Yeah. I'll, I'll make sure to bring my little uh, water filtration pen. <laughs> do you have one of those? Seriously? I do. I do. Yeah. Do they work? 
I don't know. I still got typhoid in Africa, so probably not. <laughs> oh, that's uh, uh, that's a story yeah. for another podcast. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about typhoid on the next episode. <laughs> Just kidding, <laughs> Morgan. Thank you. Goodness, thank you guys for the laughs and the conversation. Uh, look forward to seeing where this these conversations take you. Yep. And thanks for getting us started. So. With that, everybody, thanks for listening and uh, join us next month for our upcoming episode of Across the Fence Post. I'm Chandler Mulvaney. And I'm Ben Connor. See you guys next time. See you next time. Hey, we see you there seeking quality conversations. We are thankful you joined us for this episode and want you to join in on our discussion by following us on social media or by emailing us at acrossthefencepost at gmail.com. Until the next time we meet, please consider following our movement and contribute to your own meaningful conversations from Across the Fence Post.